we did have a very good time of uh, prayer this morning. Um, uh, a, a group of us get together every morning. Uh, I beg your pardon. I wish it was every morning. Joe, would you organize that? Every morning at four o'clock. That is the Asian American way. At four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, I'm sure uh, Peter Kim and, and David Kim and um, uh, uh, Gina Choi and everyone will uh, witness to the fact that that's what their mothers did in particular. Yes, fathers to parents going in for prayer, but we meet at 8.30 to 9.30 and today we had the joy of um, welcoming into our presence um, missionaries that we as the Covenant Church support, uh, specifically the Asian American churches from the East Coast um, in New Jersey and in Boston area and New York. Uh, there is a whole group of Asian American churches that support a ministry in uh, South Africa and the KwaZulu-Natal area. And it's called Zilmele Wetu. And this morning we spend time listening to all that God is doing through amazing people. You know, um, unfortunately, um, um, uh, that, that area of the world has seen so much injustice. And, and Dr. Audrey Matimelo and her husband, um, um, Sinatra, shared with us about what is going on there, the history of uh, apartheid. There were a group of people that went from, uh, from um, the Netherlands, Dutch people that went into Africa, and they came. They, they thought they were the chosen people. They were the chosen race, and they were there to enslave the African people who are not the chosen race, obviously, because they're the wrong color, they're the wrong race, and so on. And so in 1652, 1652, that's a long, long time ago, young people, those of you who study um, History, that's a long, long time ago. On the 6th of April in 1652, Jan van Riebeck and a group of people, they came up with this idea of separation. It's called apartheid, apartness. We are the chosen people, they said, because we are Dutch people. You are not the chosen people because you're Africans, you're black. And then of course they brought in slaves there from India, low caste, outcast slaves who were already enslaved in India and from China, low class people and from the Philippines and different parts of the world who were taken there as, um, as slaves. And then later on as indentured servants when slavery was abolished globally. So there was another way of establishing slavery. And those are the kinds of people that uh, Sinatra and Audrey work among, they work among black people, the Zulus and the Kosas and other people who have been uh, awfully unjustly treated by, uh, by years and years of apartheid, how to raise them up into the presence of God. I took students there, I've taken students there a few times now and every time I go there I'm so so overjoyed to see women, African women, the Zulus, who've been mistreated and abused and whose husbands were taken away to work in those coal mines and other forms of mines so that families were shattered and yet they praise God. 
they sing hallelujahs from the depths of their heart they enter into into a house that's got uh, that that's got disease that has got um uh, uh, aids and 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 people are being shattered and they would go and pray and they would sing hallelujahs and i'm i'm so taken up with what god is doing in south africa now audrey and sinatra are here with us they're worshiping with us uh, unfortunately we cannot see them face to face but they will be with us after our time of worship uh, so that you can ask them questions they can share with us what god is doing and why can they sing hallelujahs this is a, a very important song that uh, david kim led us in uh, it's it's about hallelujah let me read to you let me read to you the background to the song that we that we just sang i raise a hallelujah um uh, it's written by uh, a couple um uh, by the name of the by the name of helsers helsers and here's what jonathan helser says he says i received a text from friends my friends joel and janie taylor that their son jackson was in critical condition and they didn't think the child would make it through the night jason's kidneys got infected by e coli jackson's kidneys a big pardon got infected by e coli virus and he had to have blood transfusion and go on dialysis as soon as i got this text says jonathan helser as soon as i got the text i felt like this giant of unbelief stood in front of me and so jonathan helser goes on to say i thought jackson's going to die tonight we're not going to see uh, this little kid survive this we will not see a miracle but then something indescribable happened he says when we were praying god gave us this song and that's what we sang i raise a hallelujah this song suddenly came on our mouths and we started singing the declaration that the giant jackson was facing will be done away with and so comes this song this hymn of praise it became louder and louder a lot of friends came and they prayed along with us they prayed the song and as we prayed the song jackson came alive that virus was shunned do you see that that is the basis of the song i raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies i raise a hallelujah louder than unbelief Do you hear that redeemer life right in the midst of this coronavirus crisis that we are facing that is the song that came to them I raise a hallelujah louder than unbelief this is a giant form of a virus and no one can control as is e coli virus I raise a hallelujah why my weapon is not guns my weapon is not all kinds of other things but it's some melody it's a hallelujah i raise a hallelujah 
heaven comes to fight for me. And so Jackson's father, Joel Taylor, goes on to talk about this song, that hallelujah I raised, because that's the hallelujah of hope. That's the hallelujah of singing along with creation that, that David Kim led us into. There's another song of hallelujah that I want to introduce you to. This is the hallelujah of praise. This is the hallelujah of conquering over distress and calamity and weakness and darkness and all kinds of pandemics that we are facing. But there is a hallelujah of disbelief also. And that's found in a more famous song that is sung all over the world. It's a song that was written by the, the, the poet, the great singer of Canada, whose name is Leonard Cohen. That's a song that's sung so many times, isn't it? But that's a hallelujah of hopelessness. It's a broken hallelujah. Here's how the words go. I'd heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for that, do ya? Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift the baffled king composing hallelujah. What a hopeless hallelujah. And so it goes on to hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Well, your faith has was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty and the moonlight overthrew you. She tied you to the kitchen chair. She broke your throne and she cut your hair. You see, that Leonard Cohen doesn't even know his Bible. He's kind of mixing up all kinds of stories from all over the place because his is a top hopeless hallelujah. Well, baby, I've been here before. I've seen this room. I walked this floor. I used to live alone before I knew you. And I've seen your flag on the marble arch. And love is not a victory march. It's cold and it's a broken hallelujah. That's all Leonard Cohen can give us. Well, maybe there's a God above, he goes on to say, but all I've ever learned from love was how to shoot somebody who outdrew ya. And it's not a cry that you hear at night. It's not somebody who's seen the light. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. That's all Leonard Cohen can sing. And that has become the famous song. It's a broken hallelujah. That is not the hallelujah that we are singing. It is the hallelujah of hope. I raise a hallelujah, says the song that we sung. In the presence of my enemies, I raise a hallelujah. Louder than unbelief, I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me and I join all the birds in the sky, all the trees on the field and all the planets singing hallelujah to God because it's a hallelujah of hope, not a hallelujah of hopelessness. And that is what we stand on, Redeemer Life. It is the hallelujah of hopelessness that was given to the Zulu people and the Kosas and the Africans and, and all other people who've been unjustly treated and mistreated right through history of society. 
but that's not the hallelujah that we give. Last, last week, we talked about two kinds of Independence Days, right? There's the first Independence Day, and then the second Independence Day. The first Independence Day is the day of Passover. It was on the day of Passover, which is a message of hope. It's a hopeful hallelujah that the people called the Romans and the religious leaders and the political leaders, they shunned Jesus and hung him on the cross. But that same Jesus who was hung on the cross rose up on the third day because it was the hallelujah of hope that he wanted to give us. The Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Romans and all kinds of people wanted a hallelujah of hopelessness. But Jesus gave people the hallelujah of hope by rising from the dead on the third day. And that is the cornerstone of Christian faith. Why? Because there is a second Independence Day, which is usually commemorated sometime in the fall, and it's called Yom Kippur. That's the year of Jubilee, the day of Jubilee, when the trumpet will be blasted, when, when the shofar will be sounded, and everyone will be free throughout the world. That's what we are looking for, right? Redeemer life. So between that first Independence Day and the second Independence Day, here we stand. And this is the message of Redeemer Life, Covenant Church. It's a message of hope. Look towards that second day of independence. When the, when the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will arise first, and then we are, we, whoever is left behind, will rise up in the skies singing hallelujahs. And that is what the book of Revelation talks about. Between the two days of independence stand we as Redeemer Life Church singing hallelujahs, singing hallelujahs. And that's what they did in Acts chapter 3. Do you remember that? Last time we talked about it. How Peter and John, they go into the temple at an exquisite time and a proper time. And they, they lay their hands on this, this man. And they say, look, look at us, look at us. And, 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 as, they, and he's, as he looked at them, Peter says, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up. Resurrection. And walk. That is the message of the church. And then as this narrative goes on, I'm going to read to you and young people, I want to encourage you to have your parents open up their Bibles. It's so important to have your Bibles in front of you and read it along with your parents. So here it says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, brothers, that is so important to treat people with dignity. He says, brothers, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by some, by our own power or by our uh, by our godliness or, or by our uh, 
sense of well-being as good people. We had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one talked about in the Old Testament and asked that a murderer be released to you. Verse 15, you killed the author of life. Do you notice that? Hallelujah. He was the author of life and is the author of life, but you killed him. But God raised him from the dead. That is the second great day of independence that we are talking about, isn't it? We were witnesses. We are witnesses of this. Now, that's a very important word that he uses. You know, the word witness in the, in the Bible is the word martyr. So when you witness to the death and the resurrection of Jesus, let us be ready. We are witnesses also to be martyrs, like in the book of Revelation. By faith in the name of Jesus, it goes on to say, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. And then he goes on to say, my fellow brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he foretold through all the prophets saying, that in his Messiah would suffer, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. For Moses said, verse 22, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people, you must listen to everything he tells you. Everyone who doesn't listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, verse 24, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, though your seed, through your seed, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Resurrection. Do you see that? God raised up. So Peter says this. That same Peter who denied Jesus says this. But notice the responses to Peter's speech. There are three kinds of responses that I want to bring before you in chapter four. First is the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees. These, this is the Sadducee kind of hallelujah response. They were singing hallelujahs also, just like Leonard Cohen said, right? They wrote a song, song about hallelujah. And this is a hallelujah song which says, are you kidding me? These things like healings and resurrection, all that doesn't happen in our days. You know, we are science people. 
We are people who believe in science. We don't believe in all this healing nonsense. Don't talk about healing nonsense. All that happens is people are given chemicals and those chemicals do stuff and you are in control of those chemicals. So don't talk about healings. That's what the Sadducees said. They were secular people. They didn't believe in a God of miracles. And so they looked at Peter and John and said, don't kid us. That is a false hallelujah. That is a hopeless hallelujah. So yes, during the time of Jesus also, there were rationalistic people like the Sadducees and the people who did not believe in God. But here, and God breaking through into history and healing people, but we are not those kinds of people, right, Redeemer Life? They were also the Pharisee kind of hallelujah people, just like their Pharisee kind of hallelujah Christians today. Believe me, there are. And just like there were Sadducee kind of people, there are Sadducee kind of hallelujah Christians even today who don't believe in miracles. I hope you stay back and talk to the Monty Mellows after this time of, of, of worship and listening to God's word and look at the miracles that are going on in Africa. It's fascinating. Look at the miracles that God is doing in the Middle East where God is breaking through in an amazing way. We don't know how, but God is doing miracles. But they're sad to say kind of people who don't want to believe in those kinds of things because they have their own hallelujahs, broken hallelujahs. Then there's Pharisee kind of people. These are people who believe in the resurrection, but really not, you know, they believe in the resurrection. They have a, a mental idea that resurrection will happen. But when will it happen? I don't know. Will it really gonna happen? I don't know. You know, there's a lot of Christians like that. We believe in Jesus. We believe that he rose from the dead, but that's just a belief thing. Oh, I just said those things. Don't ask me to believe it today. Don't ask me to believe that God can do miracles today. I am a Pharisee kind of hallelujah Christian. There are those kinds of Christians, isn't it? So there's the Sadducee kind of hallelujah Christians. They're the Pharisee kind of hallelujah Christians. Thankfully, there are others. And it goes on to say in chapter four and verse four, but many who heard the message believed. Do you see that? Verse four. So the number of people, it says the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. This is 5,000 men, just like Jesus fed in one place, 5,000 men, in another place, 7,000 men. Well, that means there were women, there were the wives, there were also Children, so I would say there were at least 20,000 people who became Christians. Would you like that Redeemer life? I know we are about 70 to 100 adult people, but what if Redeemer life grows up to 5,000 men plus women and children? We're talking about 25,000 people in one day. This is fascinating, isn't it? So yes, right in the midst of Pharisee kind of Christians and right in the midst of Sadducee kind of Christians, 
there are regular people who believe what God does. And they are the people who sing the, the real hallelujahs, the true hallelujahs that come from the inside out, who believe that this is what God has done and will continue to do, will continue to do in our midst. And so look at what the Sadducees do. And look at what the Pharisees do in verse 5. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. And there were Caiaphas. And this is like the who's who. This is like all the big professors of all the universities and all the big presidents and all the prime ministers and all the chief ministers and all, all the people that are the who is who in society came and stood up against Peter and John. Think about it, Redeemer Life. Think about it. When all the news media and all the presidents and all the great leaders and all the big professors of all the big universities come together and they gather together against you. And this is what they say. If we are being called to account today, says Peter, or before that, there's all these people. They had Peter and John versus... Uh, it's in verse six, uh, the later part of verse six, and then verse seven, it says uh, that they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them saying, by what power of what name did you do this? That is the big question. And I notice that these are the questions that will be posed to the church even today. What is your authority? What is your power? What is the name? Notice what Peter and John do. And I want us to take, derive very quickly, 10 lessons out of this. First is the source of the power of the Holy Spirit. The source of what they were doing. The source of the power is the Holy Spirit. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the same Peter who ran away from acknowledging Jesus now stands up against this big who is who gathering. The source of the power is the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Redeemer Life, my prayer is that that's what would happen among us. We would all be filled with the Holy Spirit so that our power is not our power. Our intellectual dimension is not our intellectual dimension, but it is the Holy Spirit that takes control of our life. That is the only way in which the power of God can be made manifest among us. Right in the midst of the coronavirus crisis, or whatever crisis there is, the source of the power is the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we are going through the book of Acts of the Apostles. I really would not want to call it Acts of the Apostles. My sense is that it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God do amazing stuff always, right through history. When people are filled with themselves, their own intellectual power, their church power, whatever it be, then things go awry, they go bad. But when people are filled with the source of power, the Holy Spirit, 
God does amazing things, and that's God's doing. Secondly, the force of the power. What's the force of the power? It's the resurrection of Jesus. Why did Peter go around preaching the gospel? Why was he doing miracles like healing the lame people and the blind people? Because that's what Jesus did. And he did it because of the resurrection power of Jesus. And that is the power that you and I have, Redeemer Life. Let us not go around behaving like powerless people because we have the force of the power and that's resurrection. It's by the resurrection power, uh, force of the resurrection power of Jesus that we can go around and do the same miracles that Jesus did. Thirdly, the crux of the power, the source of the power is the Holy Spirit. The force of the power is the resurrection power of Jesus. Thirdly, the crux of the power, that is the name of Jesus. It was very clear to Peter and John, the people of the early church, that the centrality of the gospel lay in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And Redeemer Life, let's take a hold of that name. Let's go out into Vernon Hills, into Liber Libertyville, and claim that crux of the power in the name of Christ. And then as you go on further, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they say to them, rulers and elders of the people, if you're being called to account today for all for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed and know this, you and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That is the crux of the power whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. No matter what human beings do to God's faithful people, God will come through because God is God and his power is the power of resurrection. That is what we go by. And then as we go on further, we find that Peter is using the Bible. That is the basis of the power. If our power is not based on the word of God, then it is powerless power. It is hopeless power. But if our power is based on the basis of the word of God, then we can go and do amazing things because this is God's word. And God's word will stand strong. And so Peter goes on to quote Psalm 118, which says, I will give you thanks for your answer, for you answered me. You have become my Yeshua, my Jesus. That was the hope that was sung when people sang Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, the jewel stone the main stone that stands. So people may reject Jesus, but that Jesus will come out shining. 
because that Jesus is the Rosh Inah, the cornerstone. Psalm 118 verse 23 then goes on to say, the Lord has done this. It is marvelous in her eyes. The Lord has done this, this very day, today. So let us rejoice and be glad because God can do it. That is what the people sang when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and we sang, sung about it in, 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 uh, on, the, on Palm Sunday, where we go, went on to say, Hoshiana, the Lord, Lord, save us, save us. Psalm 118, verse 25, Lord, grant us victory, grant us victory. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. We bless you. That is the basis of the power. It's the word of God. That God who said something and we sing about it will accomplish it. Yes, even now during this coronavirus crisis. And then look at the, at the fifth lesson that we draw out of the singing of hallelujahs of hope. It's the absoluteness and the exclusiveness of the power of God. Look at what he says, verse 12. He looks at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all this august group of people, all the professors of the university at that time, all the presidents, all the prime ministers. He looks at them and he looks them at the, in the eye and he says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to man. Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And of course, there'll be a lot of people that'll roll their eyes and they'll say, what? That is exclusiveness. Don't be exclusive. Let us all hug each other. Everyone's okay. You're okay. I'm okay. All religions are okay. You know, when I teach world religions to my students, I say to them, and among the first couple of lectures, I would say to them, do you know that all religions by their very definition are exclusive? Hindus think they are the right way. Buddhists think they are the right way. Jains think they are the right way. Islam thinks it's the right way. Judaism thinks it's the right way. Confucianism thinks it's the right way. All religions by their very definition are exclusive. And we have to come to terms with that. What is the idea behind this? Peter and John and the gospels make this very clear that yes, everyone thinks they're exclusive but salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must really, really be saved. It's only in the name of Jesus, and that is what is happening throughout the world. So come with me to India, come with me to Bangladesh, come with me to Africa, and you'll see that God is doing miraculous things it's in the name of Jesus and Jesus alone that miraculous things are happening. And my prayer is that those things will happen right here among us in Vernon Hills and in Libertyville 
and all the places that we go to. But notice the sixth thing very quickly. Notice the bearers of this power. Look at this. All these people, and when they saw verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. I mean, in Greek, it's a lot worse than that. In Greek, it is, these are hillbillies. These are like morons. They're ignoramus slave boys. That is the word that's used. How do they have the energy and the thought and the gumption and the words to talk about all these things? These are people or ignoramus people. These are people who don't have any brains. That, those are racist words that were used against the Galileans by the people who are the who is who. But that's okay. Because those people who follow Jesus have always been called idiotes is the word that is used in Greek. Idiotes. These are ignoramus, hillbilly people. And the gospels say that is okay because God uses idiotes. God uses ignoramus. People who are regarded as brainless people. That's okay because glory is going to God's name and his name alone. Very quickly. So the bearers of power are unschooled, ignoramus people. Look at the seventh lesson that we draw from this early group of good hallelujah people. They see on their faces the face of Jesus. And I love that, don't you? They took notice that these men lived with Jesus. These men shine with the face of Jesus. And let that be your prayer and my prayer. Lord, when people see me, I don't want them to see me because when they see me, I, they see a disfigured Jesus. But when they look at me and all they see is Jesus, that is the gospel. That is the power of the gospel. Let that be your prayer and my prayer as well, my sisters and brothers. And then look at the eighth lesson that we can draw from here. As we go on further, it goes on to say that Peter and John made it clear that this clarity of the gospel is seen through miracles. Those are the facts of their power. That same Jesus who did miracles in his lifetime, that same Jesus who did miracles during the lifetime of Peter and John and James and all the early disciples can do it today. I would encourage you to ask those questions of Audrey after this time of, of worship. Ask her what is going on in Africa where that same Jesus is doing healings. That same Jesus is doing healings in India and in Pakistan and, and in China. That is the breaking through of the Holy Spirit that's moving in the world today, right in the midst of the coronavirus crises. And my prayer is that we would see that happen in our midst as well. Very quickly, number nine and number 10. 
the orders of the power. The orders of the power. Peter and John, the early church, made it clear that they follow the orders from God and not from human beings. Because look, look at what the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those people in power tried to do. They called them again, verse 18, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. It happened then, it happens now. The church is being silenced. People of God are scared of talking about Jesus. Oh no, keep quiet, keep quiet. This has got to be a private thing. This cannot be a public thing. That is what they're saying. Keep it private to yourself. Don't make this public. Don't make this public at all. But look at what Peter and John say. Peter and John replied, verse 19, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. Verse 20, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. That is the basis of the proclamation of the gospel that the church does not take its orders from human beings, the church takes its orders from God because God is God. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that is what then results in the hallelujahs of hope. Look at that. That's so beautiful, right? As the gospel spreads and it spreads upon among common people, they sing hallelujahs. Verse 21 and 22, it goes on to say, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were singing hallelujahs. Isn't that great? So raise your hallelujahs to God, Redeemer life. Raise your hallelujahs to God, not the broken hallelujahs of Leonard Cohen, but raising your hallelujahs because the source of the power is the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The force of the power is resurrection. The crux of the power is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The basis of the power is the word of God. The absoluteness and the exclusiveness of the power is Jesus' name. And so be bearers of the power. It's okay to be unschooled people so that the face of Jesus will be seen in our faces. The face of the power, the facts of the power is God doing healings. And we take our orders from the power that is God. And then people sing hallelujahs. Wouldn't that be great? When hallelujahs, hallelujahs are sung on the streets of Vernon Hills and Libertyville and all over, singing hallelujahs to this God who is the Lord of Lords and the God of Gods. That is the hallelujah of hope and not the hallelujah of hopelessness. There are two days of independence. The first independence where Jesus was crucified, the second day of independence, 
is a year of jubilee when the whole world will sing hallelujahs. And let's be ready for that day. Let's pray. Our Lord, our God, we come before you with, with so much hope, O oh Lord. The, the news as we as we turn on to it on our television stations and on the radios, as we dial those news programs, as we open up the newspapers, all we read is hopelessness and, and a lot of awful things happening in the world over and over and over again. Human beings doing bad things to each other and people encountering this horrible virus. So right in the midst of this, we come before you, O Lord, and we pray that we would raise our hallelujahs to you. Because just like you healed a little boy who was being destroyed by that E. coli virus, so we pray, O Lord, that we would be carrying the message of hope and the hallelujahs of hope so that people around us will sing hallelujahs. In the name of the risen Lord Jesus. So enable us to be bearers of this powerful hallelujah message. In the risen Lord's name we pray. Amen.